2: You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a idiot. But
0: that's the evidence
2: in the car. But
0: I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always oh, like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. The Old West was full of excitement: cattle rustlers, outlaws, boom towns with the promise of a quick fortune, saloon ladies with the promise of a fortune of a different kind. However, the reality is probably a little closer to the smell of cows blissfully covering up the scent of those working with cows who hadn't bathed in a couple of weeks. Whatever the real deal is, it's home to one of our favorite movies of all time, one that we've been referencing for a couple years, as well as planning an episode for around almost as long. So saddle up and skin that smoke wagon, because we're talking about Tombstone in this episode 113. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once won a water pistol quick draw contest has been living off that notoriety for the past thirty years. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and dreams about riding off into the sunset and into a gigantic stake. I give you the man they call Tim. Hang, hang.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Greetings now we're, and
0: salutations, my friend. Now How we're tying you? Tombstone in with Cactus Jack. Okay, well, you know you got to work the two of them in. It's Tombstone, Arizona, not Truth and Consequences, <laughs> New Mexico. Okay. <laughs> Which, quite honestly, one of the Uh, most badass town names ever. Right now, right after Tombstone. So, you know what? I'll allow it.
1: That is fantastic. Truth or Consequences, New Mexico.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's truth and consequences. I believe. Oh,
1: is it truth and okay? Gotcha. I
0: think so. Yeah. I'll have. I I could look that up because you know we do live in the interwebs age, and all of the the knowledge of humankind is at our fingertips. But nah, I'm still lazy. Well, how are you, sir? Nonetheless.
1: Cactus no, Jack your, or otherwise,
0: I'm your Huckleberry. Oh, I'm, I am. I nice. am so ready for this. Uh, this episode. I am actually. Well, it's I been say like a that year now. in
1: the making hasn't it? I mean, we, oh, we talked about least. this like last year, and this has at been literally least. the
0: kick the can episodes. So. At least, like we, like for all of you out there listening in podcast land, we we may be idiots, but we do actually organize things. So we have, we will actually brainstorm and have a schedule of what we're going to be talking about. And we always toss this in, and something always comes up. So the fact that like, even today, I'm thinking like, man, maybe that weekend geek episode maybe uh, the weekend geek item, maybe that could be an entire episode. No, no, we have to do this episode finally. Mm. It can't mm-hmm. be procrastinated anymore. It has been procrastinated to whatever you know happens after procrastination. Yeah, actually, nothing <laughs> usually happens after procrastination. that's the whole point of procrastination. <laughs> any old who i'm doing fine how about yourself sir i'm well
1: i'm well uh feeling fit but not as fit as you i think uh you're 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 carrying a little extra gold around your waist these days
0: aren't you uh it's not gold actually i think i believe that was just sheet metal that was cut into, (laughs) laser cut into it but yes it's a little bit big for a belt buckle but is it is suitable for framing yes there you go there you yes go. Uh, and Very of course nice. the man they called him is is referring of course to the fact that I participated in my first ever powerlifting meet this past weekend and most importantly before anything else I did not break myself that was <laughs> Goal number 1 <laughs> Exactly when Goal you're number in your 2 mid-
1: do not go to the ER
0: <laughs> Yes when you are <laughs> well I mean <sighs> Even if I did go to the ER, I've still got a couple more visits before I catch up to you. So let's. Well, fair enough. I, I hold the. that
1: That is my own goal that I hold is number exactly. of visits to the hospital.
0: What was that old joke? Uh, I think it was actually Carlin at Car- Carnegie when he was talking about, you know. Uh, about he had a heart attack. He had two heart attacks. And he says, I now lead Richard Pryor two to one in heart attacks <laughs> in the comedian's health pool. He says, The way it happened was, you know, uh, uh, Richard had a heart attack, then I had a heart attack, then Richard set himself on fire. I said, Screw that. I'm having another heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh.
2: But yes, uh, I, I was in a
0: powerlifting meet and uh, I won. I won my group or division or whatever you want to call it. I'm pretty sure I might have been the only person in the division, but I don't care I, if that sucker is all mine. I've got a nifty little like laser cut trophy kind of thing uh, that is uh, suitable for a wall hanging and it's mine, mine. Oh my! You are now one and zero oh in competition,
1: as I dubbed you over the weekend. You are now the Goldberg of powerlifting, surge. So I, I'm
0: I'm closer to Goldberg, uh, both in in notoriety and in looks, uh, actual. So <laughs> and in yelling acumen. Well, that too. No, actually, as far as yelling acumen, I could probably rival Goldberg. I can I can get a good yell. I've got some lungs on me. I just don't have the uh, muscles and and like that one bulging Popeye thing that. He he had going whenever he would get really excited. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can't quite match that. Uh, Bill Goldberg definitely has that amongst many other things on me, including like total earnings and, you know, being on speed dial from WWE. Although not quite as much these days, I, I don't think. Indeed. Indeed. I think Bill, I think we've seen the last of, of Bill in a wrestling ring, which... Phil's kind of worn out the whole
1: comeback and get an immediate title shot routine.
0: (laughs) Oh, you know that if Vince were still in control, that would still be happening. But we're going to be talking some wrestling uh, as well. But uh, what we need to do is uh, we need to shift focus here because we did. We promised Tombstone. We will deliver Tombstone. I, I promise you, unless some breaking news comes through in the next hour as we're as we're going through this episode, which I mean, who knows what's happening in the world these days? So anything could happen. Um, But first, we need to get into The Week in Geek. The Week is Geek. Feels so funky. What do you got for us this episode, sir?
1: Well, call this our own version of Johnny Ringo
0: versus uh, Doc Holliday. Uh, 12 months I don't know ago, if it's that, really. I mean, 12- this, this, this might be more of like Ike Clanton. And- <laughs> And like the fourth erp brother that didn't show up in Tombstone, <laughs> like Phil Phil La, Earp. la dog, <laughs> shabby. All right yeah. Uh,
1: so we have uh, last this, this goes back to last week, but but felt it, it needed to, to, to kind of have a little bit of discussion here. Be, ju- just because of the sheer uh, let, let's let's start with the press conference. So last weekend all elite wrestling had their pay-per view. Uh, all out, uh, and after the pay per view, as they are uh, typically to do, they they had a a quote unquote you know kind of after event press conference, post game show, and Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, sat next to CM Punk, his newly crowned world champion, and uh, what what happened can can only be described as some of the most entertaining ten to fifteen minutes I've I've ever seen. Uh, awkward. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. V- very awkward, very um just all over the map uh and and very very real. Uh very very much we'll we'll get into the content in just a minute here, but uh basically CM Punk uh starts a conversation with an interviewer and just starts to go off on uh in in a very indirect way um uh, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, uh, who are known as the young bucks who are both, uh, are all three executive vice presidents of AEW. Uh, and just, he kind of launches into this tirade about this, this person
0: that he was friends with at one
1: point, Scott Colton, also known
0: as Colt Cabana. Now, hang on. Uh, and- I, I just want to ask you this because it, I want to get your just first impression on this because I just realized this, is it just me or throughout this entire, um, I can't call it a press conference because essentially it was one long, repetitive harangue from CM Punk. Yeah. Is it just me or did Tony Khan look like the groom at a wedding during the (laughs) best man's speech? Who's had (laughs) way too much from the open bar and just starts dropping F-bombs in his speech without any regard to the fact that grandmama and grandpa and everyone is sitting there? Like, did it not look like that? Like. Somewhere across between, like, a hostage situation and, like, I'm going to immediately have to do damage control over this. You know, and, like, you could see the, the, like, turning in his head, like, how do I spin this? Half the comedy
1: was watching Tony Khan's face. Oh,
0: my goodness. As
1: punk was going off. The other half of the comedy was just watching punk do this while he was eating like a chocolate muffin. And, and, and even when Tony Khan would speak and and punk was eating the muffin, it was watching punk's face. Like he was just like, it was like totally, it was just the surreal scene where, Oh, it was a tour de force performance. Overall. overall. But, but it wasn't, it was just a very real moment. And, um, Oh, and, and what about the bag? of
0: seltzers. What what was it about yeah. – what is in his contract, <laughs> Ryder, that he's like – he has such an odd number of seltzers because I counted them because they were sitting there the whole time. He had like nine seltzers in a plastic bag. He had a niner. I'm like, I'm like what is that? Like in his yeah. contract, like I want nine lime spendthrift s- uh, seltzers. Well, can we get you polar? I said spent th- – okay, okay. I don't want any of that LaCroix <laughs> crap. Nothing bougie. I want something that's Target brand – you know which was funny because i believe that is is this spencer like a like a target brand or something or is that i think so
2: yeah yeah but
0: it but it but then he mentions like that they couldn't manage a target and i'm like is target sponsoring this or is like cm punk got his own deal like we're gonna see him like the cm punk collection Yeah, right. That would right. be great. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to get your thoughts on that cuz it it all just oh, sort yeah. of clicked into place for me as you were mentioning that.
1: Well, well, but okay, so so let me take a step back. So 12 months ago on our show, we around this time actually were were you know just kind of basking in the glow of the return of CM Punk and and mm. how well that was done by AEW and just how, you know, amazing the crowd in Chicago was. Uh, the, the reaction was something that, you know, you rarely see in, in wrestling, uh, unless it is, you know, a major moment. And, and it was just as really kind of, you know, for, for me following, you know, wrestling for as long as I have, it, it was very good to see him come back and, and be working for a company that would give him, you know, kind of that honest shot that he some. You kind of felt as good as he did in WWE that he never really got because of the constant bickering
0: he had with with you know Triple H and and with Vince. No, it was it was almost getting over in spite of management. Like, oh yeah, they yeah they were reluctant to put the title on him. They were reluctant to do anything, and in fact undercut never him put the him whole in the time. Main event. Which is remarkable when you think, when you think, figure like, yeah, it's about making money. This guy will make you money, but you're so like stuck in your ways and so hell bent on doing it your way that you actually subvert your own profit margin. Yeah. It's baffling.
1: So, so you fast forward 12 months to, to now and, uh, CM Punk faced John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. He defeated him in in what was, you know, really a, a classic match. It's just, just a really good back and forth, a lot of brutality. John Moxley, uh, the former Dean Ambrose from WWE, just a a complete, you know, psycho now in terms of hardcore, you know, just just brutal, you know, uh br- like like he has a very brutal style and and is very much about that sort of, you know, hardcore aspect of things and in, in the ring. And so it, 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 was a, it was a rough match, but punk came out the winner and in the, um, in, in the press conference, um, you know, leading up to this event, there was some drama going on and, and this drama is around these characters I mentioned. So Scott Colton, Colt Cabana, uh, hangman, Adam Page, Nick and Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega. And so I'll, I'll go back in time to kind of lay the story out. Cause uncle Todd was, was kind of like amused by this when I sent it to him just because of the sheer, awkwardness and uncomfortableness that happens mm-hmm. when you watch this but also oh yeah even like, if you
0: don't know anything about wrestling like it is it can still be entertaining on a level of just like oh my gosh you can totally tell everyone in the room is like what the hell is going to happen next right.
1: and and watching tony khan's face and all of it and 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 you're me of who are some of these people? I don't understand. And so, so I'll try to lay it out for you. And, and well, try I've to heard do of
0: some of them. Quickly. I mean, I've heard of Colt Cabana, but I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I was just like, what, what is the beef here?
1: So fair enough. So so real quick, Colt Cabana and CM Punk came up through the independence during the two thousands. Um, Punk obviously goes on to become more of the superstar. C- Cabana had his you know tryouts, I think, in WWE and other companies, and just seemed to kind of stay in that that independent scene. Um, when Punk left WWE, he did a um, he did Cabana's podcast and talked about his departure and and go and went into great detail about. All the ways WWE had, you know, kind of hosed him over in in, in that scenario, and, and the health issues he was going through, to the point where I believe WWE sued him
0: and and Scott Colton, yeah, um, which is and- which is actually a time honored tradition in wrestling because it, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it didn't used to be podcasts. It used to be like the Dirt Sheets, right? It was like the Wrestling right, Observer right. and all those, yeah. and all these guys would leave a promotion and then like just vent their spleen. And it would wind up in print in one of these magazines or newsletters. So yeah, it, it's it is kind of you know punk being such a traditionalist and knowing the, the history of wrestling, it it makes total sense. That he's oh, like, yes. oh, and, and now I must go light the bridges on fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've already yes. doused them in kerosene. It's just waiting for the match. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't have all the particulars, and it really isn't
1: you know germane to the story. The details around. but long story the short,
0: Germans ain't got nothing to. Do. Do with
1: it well they don't but uh punk was paying some of uh colton's bills for a while i guess and 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 kind of dealing with the legal part of it and at some point the two of them had a falling out and and went their separate ways and and no longer have a friendship and and so forth cabana continues on in the independence um and you know, at some point hooks up with, uh, the Jacksons with Kenny Omega and with those who are forming AEW, I don't understand, like I, what I've read in a few columns and I don't fully have the background on this statement, but apparently some of the things that Cabana was doing in the Independence were like, like they took some of the things, um, I don't know if it was around how they were running the company or, or what they were doing with the organization, but he kind of inspired some of the things that they did for AEW. And so he, he has a, a much tighter and and more positive relationship with, uh, with Kenny Omega, with Matt and Nick Jackson. Um, and, and so when punk came back, there was this kind of question of how are those two entities going to coexist because Cabana is in the locker room along with punk. And Punk, Mm -hmm. of course, maintains that he and Cabana don't really talk. He has no, you know, um, real interest in, 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 you know, forging any relationship with him. He has no interest in screwing him over. But what ended up happening was in back in May of this year, when Punk was feuding with then champion Hangman Adam Page, Page went out to do a promo around, you know, kind of building up their their main event uh, that was happening at that pay-per-view and decided to go off script. And mm-hmm. I remember saying him saying something that seemed kind of backstage in nature, but wasn't overtly i don't remember him really calling out colt cabana by name but just talking about how punk is this you know kind of sneaky politician who kind of works behind you know he claims he's for the workers but doesn't really deliver and and punk wasn't out there and really had no ability to kind of speak back on it and so it was just it was kind of this scene of 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 page going into business for himself and mm-hmm. what what happened shortly thereafter was, you know, there were some rumblings that Punk wasn't thrilled with what, what he did, because, again, it wasn't something that was planned. It was something that just he kind of did off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Punk wins the title. Right. Punk then three days later breaks his foot um, and has to basically go on a three month sabbatical while he heals up and undergoes surgery. So nothing is really ever addressed on this until he comes back at the beginning of August where he cuts his first promo or it was his first or second promo since coming back. And he just runs down page in a, in a very, you know, kind of brief segment of, of him, you know, uh, basically at the time he was going after John Moxley, who was the interim champion. uh, And the two of them were going to face off. And so he, He says a few things about Hangman Adam Page where Page could not respond to it. He wasn't at the stadium that night. He wasn't planned to come down. And he basically really, you know, in a lot of ways kind of subverts. He has this phrase, cowboy, S-H-I-D. And he really Punk really subverts the gimmick and subverts that saying in what he did. I mean, he just did a masterful like he always does with with his wordsmithing and the way he does promos. He knows how to go surgical on someone when he needs to. Hmm. And he went surgical on on Adam Page. That caused a bunch of drama. Paige is a close friend of Kenny Omega and Nick and Matt Jackson. There's a bunch of rumors that start that Punk is a cancer in the locker room, that he's trying to get Cold Cabana pushed out. He's the reason that Cabana isn't on TV as much anymore. And so all so you can kind of see the snowball starting, and mm-hmm. it kind of builds up to the event. And so then the event arrives. We have the Moxley match. He wins. They do the press conference, and Punk just launches into this tirade about his relationship with Cole cabana kind of putting to rest any sort of you know drama or rumors that were going on at the time um throwing omega and the jacksons under the bus as evps which i believe his line was that we have evps that that couldn't even run a target let alone a wrestling
0: company or something like that which i mean which i think is kind of unfair to people who manage targets because <laughs> I mean- a lot of stuff going on it i mean it's not like that's a little job like you, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on at Target. like there's oh a there's a lot of departments you've got the unmentionables you've got the sporting goods i mean there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff i think that's mm-hmm. a little derogatory to to target managers yeah but yeah. proceed
1: but uh yeah so so he just goes off on and and he he very very much calls out and is very candid about the fact that a lot of the rumors and, and and internet gossip that was going on leading up to the event was driven by these EVPs that should have known better. They should have dealt with it in a different way. And so he got that off his chest uh, and just proceeded to... Um, just set, set the record straight on that he eviscerates Adam Page again um calling him numerous names and you know basically questioning his intelligence <laughs> which mm-hmm. you know i mean quite frankly if if you if you're going to go into business for yourself on on live tv and and think you're going to get away with it with someone like punk that probably isn't the wisest move in the world
0: no um, no that's taking no. a knife to a gunfight
1: Oh, it is. Oh, it is. And so, uh, and after that, there really wasn't anything too. um, I, I think at one point Khan brings up MJF who came back at the pay-per-view and, and it was hysterical punks eating a muffin while he hears this, the look on his face was priceless. And then he's like, he basically, forgive me for, 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 you know, for saying it this way, but he's like, I'm just destined to work with pricks. Yep. <laughs> Which, which Khan's eyes just bugged out of his head like, is this not over?
0: Yeah. Oh, no, no. I thought we were out of the woods. Nope. We swerved back into the woods oh and gosh. we ran into a tree.
1: So uh, so then the cherry on top of this Sunday of, of, a, of an evening was that apparently after the, this, this press conference happens, there was a confrontation with Omega, the Bucks, uh, and uh, Punk. And his longtime uh, associate and, and almost coach, uh, who who had brought him up through the Independence Ace Steele. Uh, oh, don't forget,
0: big... don't forget Ace Steele's uh, lady and and Larry the dog as his, well.
1: Oh, his wife, yeah, Ace Steele's wife, and uh, she was apparently uh, caring for Punk's dog, who was at the locker room, and apparently, uh, depending on which side you talk to, um, which which really boils down to you know people who walked in very genteelly and, and wanted to have a conversation versus kicking the door down in a fist fight happening. Eventually it boiled down to fisticuffs. Um, and uh, there, there were suspensions. Uh, there is still talk of whether or not punk is going to either leave AEW or be fired. Uh, well, they took and- the title off him. Uh, and well, and, and they took the title off him, but they, they took the title off him because he apparently tore his tricep and he is now going to be out for about
0: nine months. So now I wonder if he tore his tricep, was it during the match or was was that in the match? Yeah. yeah. Ah, It was,
1: it was determined that he had injured himself, um, during the Moxley match. Uh, and, and so he, the, that, that's when it happened. He had had, I guess he had some ice on his shoulder or on his arm, uh, at the time. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I he, was
0: distracted by the cupcake or whatever the heck he was Oh eating. my gosh. Uh,
1: so yeah, it's just complete bedlam right now. And, and, and I think the thing that really just kind of amazes me with all of this is just how you go from when he arrived 12 months ago and, and, and Everything that followed the first six months, working with all the younger guys, you know, yes, he was winning matches, but he was making these younger guys look like a million bucks, really seemed like he was, you know, enjoying himself, really seemed like he wanted to give back to the business. And and in the process, he was elevating the product with his presence and and they were trying to take advantage of it, rightfully so, because he, he's a superstar. And yeah, it's just, it, it's like the wheels came off the wagon, uh, since we're keeping this in a Western theme, uh, real fast. And, uh, and so now you, you have, uh, basically, uh, Tony Khan with, you you know, honestly, the, the, that press conference made him look awful. I mean, just sitting there, not stopping Mm -hmm. it, not, not saying something, not telling him let's, let's take this up behind the scenes or something like, like he just sat there and just let punk go and. It, it it really just, he just didn't look like a leader. And, and you know, for Punk's sake, you know, I, I've always been a fan of his. I, I'm i not as harsh as some people are with him, like the, feeling like he's just gone over the edge. I mean, he, you know, I, I read a lot about the behind the scenes stuff. The, the stuff he talks about with Colton is on the money as far as what I've seen reported. So I, I don't know what the deal is there and what's going on with him. But, you know, maybe there were some things that were going on backstage that he was behind, but it seems like, uh, depending on who you talk to, you're going to get two very different sides of what's going on there. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's really a shame to see it kind of fall apart the way that it has, because, um, it just seemed like they were a really good pairing for, for a really long time until, uh, until egos got in the way. And, and, you know, he, he may be at fault as well. You know, maybe this is a product of his ego as much as it is the other guys. But, uh, but the fact remains that there were some missteps, I think on both sides. And, uh, not quite sure where we go from here. It's, it's, it's really a shame.
0: It is. Yeah. Um, this is to me, this is sort of like when you have the, the coach coaching flux and I'll point out the NFL just because I'm most familiar with that, with that league, even though I, I haven't watched it in many years, I watched it enough to to have seen the ebb and flow of how coaching seems to go is that you have the disciplinarian, the taskmaster who, you know, gets stuff done and whips the team into shape. And but then eventually the team gets tired of that. And it's usually mm. after, you know, either there's a downturn or some of the superstars, some of the big players start getting older and they start getting more mature and they start feeling their importance to the team. And then the taskmaster slash disciplinarian is kind of driven out because you know they they've tuned him out completely. They don't want anything to do with them anymore. And so then they bring in a player's coach. They bring in someone who's kind of like one of the guys who the players like and and gets along with the players and he strokes their egos and he knows how to deal with people and all that. Well, but then the team starts lacking discipline because nobody's there to really tell them what to do. So eventually the player's coach gets taken out. The players now they're like, we need discipline. We need someone who's really going to instill, you know, a lot of discipline and, and, and kind of confidence in the team. And who do they go to? Mm -hmm. They bring in a disciplinarian, a taskmaster, and thus we just keep going in this ever-winding, vicious cycle, which Mm -hmm. results in guys like Andy Reid and Marty Schottenheimer being perpetually unemployed, even though you're not even really sure why, because they just don't get you over the hump ever. Um, Well, actually, no. Andy Reid's finally got himself a Super Bowl ring, right? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. After, like, what, you know, 30 years of trying, which in Andy Reid years, because, I mean... the the dude just i I feel like i don't even want to make jokes about the dude's health but he just does not look like a healthy individual like he just i really wish he would just start working some salads in just for the sake of his family he's one of those dudes that you're just like oh my gosh he can go any second um anyways it's the same thing here like you, you, you have Tony Khan starting this company, and everybody's happy because oh, this you can do whatever you want, you can do this and that and the other, and they're so open, to this and that and the other, and blah blah blah, and you're we're the underdog, and so everyone's pulling together. Now they're not so much the underdog, even though they still are. WWE never wasn't outdrawing them, like right. Even Triple H said in that interview, <laughs> interview that he that you sent me, he was he was saying, you know, yeah, so they outdrew our developmental league. OK, right. like that was a big thing. Like AEW is outdrawing, you know, WWE. Yeah. WWE NXT, which is their their lower tier. It's like their semi pro league. OK, yep. you're outdrawing them. Congrats. It's like, ooh, we outdrew the outdrew the World League of American football. That's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Boy, a little pat on the head and a cookie and you go away. Um, but they never have outdrawn. They've never been bigger. They've never drawn more except for maybe individual shows but overall they were not a bigger company now they start getting that whiff of success and now start people it starts going crazy and now all of a sudden tony Khan's like hey yeah just do whatever you want i'm just happy to be here now that's a liability yeah because ain't nobody really steering the ship nope and that's nope. a problem when you got a situation like this. And it's also a problem because he really, uh, I don't understand. Number one, I don't understand how Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are executive vice presidents, but yet Chris Jericho is nowhere on this masthead. I don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. Because I thought he, I thought when he came in, he had, I thought he had a piece of the ownership.
1: No, no. It it was started by a partnership of Tony Khan. So Khan brought the money and it was Cody Rhodes. Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega were the four they were four EVPs that that started this this is what they wanted to do they were going to build a company that was going to be better different um you know they they were doing equal pay for men and women they were accepting of um you know wrestlers regardless of of you know lifestyle and that sort of like they were trying to be all the things that they saw you know, WWE doing, you know, in, in, you know, maybe if it's not in a public way and, and, you know, whatever way. Yeah. Um, but,
0: but, but, which are know, all good things, which, which I mean, which are I'm, all good.
1: To, yeah. I mean, they, they started the, off with, with a really great concept of what they wanted to do for the company. But the problem is
0: you can't have executive vice presidents mm-hmm. who are also active wrestlers. Yes. It's, it's a bad idea. And yep. you can always point to, oh, well, but it worked in this, but it worked here or it can work yep. there. It's like, that's great. You're talking about the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And like, like yep. uh, I was listening to a gym, uh, to, a, to Uncle Corny talk about this. And he's like, you're not one of the boys anymore, you're office. Yeah. Whether you're still wrestling or not, you're office and he was very critical of 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 Omega and the young bucks like those guys are executive vice, vice presidents they shouldn't have been going and talking to punk they should have been waiting outside the door at the press conference when Tony Khan came out and said all right so what are we going to do about this yeah your management you deal with that at a management level he says yeah and and the thing is like it's i'm not even pointing out the fact that oh my gosh they they had a confrontation backstage like like coronet pointed out it, that's been happening since the day before forever <laughs> Like that's, that has happened in every single wrestling promotion that has ever existed anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there's always people getting, cause you've got like these dudes who are, you know, they're all macho and, and, and want to outdo each other. It's competitive. It's all competitive. So right. they're always right. going to be, you know, whether you're friends or not, you're still competitive. And so, like he said, he's like, you can go to that room and you might not be planning on a fight, but you need to expect that one might happen. Yep. And the fact that three executive vice presidents of the company are going there, like he was I was actually kind of surprised. Like Cornette was very supportive of Punk because he's like, you got three on one coming there. Yeah. And they're all yeah. higher up. I mean, you're the champ, but their management, they their executive vice presidents. Yeah. So, I mean, this is some level of bullying slash labor dispute that's very contentious. Yeah. So what are you going to do? And if they start getting in your face, you know. Right. Right, But yeah, it's, it's all just, it's so foolish just to me, the way it's set up. Yeah. Like having active wrestlers who are all in the hunt here trying to make money and, and then having them have that power over other people like, oh my gosh. So we're just, we're, we're making what happened in WCW when you had Nash and you had Hogan and you had those guys. We're just making that official now. Yeah. We're just yeah. giving them the title instead of saying that, you know, like Rick Flair is the booker in WCW, in spite of the fact that he is an active wrestler, mm-hmm. which to me is just like, how does that make sense? I know Rick is a really good wrestler. You know, he's one of the greatest ever and he's probably your best guy. But why the hell are you making him have him? I mean, it's not even like if there's going to be favoritism, it's just Correct. when, right. you know? Well, and so, and, yeah, that whole yeah, thing doesn't it, make sense to me whatsoever.
1: And, and not that this was related to to the punk page drama, but to your point about the EVP thing there, you know, some of the comments I read in the days after were pointing to, you know, Cody Rhodes jumping back to WWE and wondering, you know, was there something going on, you know, at that level and in that kind of organization or with those roles where, you know, I mean, he, he I, I think, I don't know if you watched the Austin podcast with, or the Austin show with him on, uh, um you know stone colds uh i hadn't yet no. i forget the name of his show I actually but i unsubscribed not
0: subscribed to peacock for almost the last year just because i was like i'm not planning on yeah. watching any of this <laughs> but and the but, fact that you can't watch and and you can't you can't watch the live shows on peacock like you have to get another subscription for that yeah. i'm like no i'm sorry yeah if you want to if you if you want to include a tier where i can get the live like wwe shows somehow through that then fine but i'm not going to pay for like Two, three subscriptions here just to try and make all of this stuff work. No, right. that ain't happened.
1: Right. But but Rhodes in that interview was saying that he he came to the realization that he should not have been an EVP. Like he he just, I want to be a performer. I do not want to do, you know, I thought I I understood what it meant to be management and to do that sort of thing. And through the experience at AEW, I came to realize what my limitations were. And which and is, was, is true. Was very candid wise about thing. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just wondering if, you know, that, like you're saying, like that plays into it to some degree that you, you just can't, you either have to, you, know, you can't be the coach in the GM or you can't be the player in the coach. You have to pick one side and be it for the duration and then be fully committed to the thing you choose to do. And
0: yeah. Well, and uh, you have to understand how things evolve, like, or, or even just how individuals, like you go back to, oh my gosh, back in the sixties, seventies, you know, up until like, what was it? I think it was the eighties until well no I, well at, during his coaching career like Red Arback was yeah. was the was the coach the GM head scout ran promotions did like wore all the hats and that yeah. was also because his owners were incredibly cheap uh, but he could do that now is that a recipe for success for everyone no but at the time you could do that because everyone else was kind of in the same model and it's just the way it was done now you could not possibly do that and even when there's been times when you have coaches who have personnel say, I mean, and for better or worse, we're if you're a, if you're a Patriots fan, you're one of these people who are like, well, uh, Bill Belichick is essentially his own GM. And how has that been working? Yeah. and um, you know, one so far this season, from from what I've heard, uh, from what I've seen at the gym on the TV as I was glancing around. Um, but you, you, you have to separate some of these things because there are certain individuals that can do many things. And again, going back to triple H's interview where he talked about how for all of his faults, Vince was able to shift out of, of one headspace and into another and make decisions quickly out of experience, but also just, that's kind of the way his brain worked. That's not everybody. Not everybody is able to, to kind of hold those things all at once.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, you you should be very realistic about how you can do that and, and what's, what is, you know, people are capable of. And that's, you know, that's to me is like that is the big Achilles heel for AEW right now is you don't mm-hmm. have a strong executive at the top. And you have active guys who are top guys right now. Mm-hmm. And how's that going to look a year or two down the road if one of them gets hurt or if they're not top guys anymore? Yeah. How's that going to work out for them being executive vice presidents? Right. And it's just, it's a very, it sounded all great and all, you know, when everyone was around singing Kumbaya, but now starting to see like, hmm, this structure might not have been the best idea.
1: And yeah. And, and and as soon as he started getting involved with the world title picture and and all of that, that's when it seemed a lot of the stuff started, you know, the wheels were starting to fall off. And, you know, quite honestly, if if as the, you know, the executive vice presidents, you know, if if they did have a hand in in spreading some of this, this vitriol, you know, that was either unsubstantiated, not true, or, you know, maybe not fully the truth of what was going on, then you're going to reap what you sow. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm not, I'm not convicting them in the court of public opinion that they did it, but where there's smoke there's fire and it sounds like there's enough animosity on all on both sides that some of this is probably in the middle of of what the truth is and and if there was provocation and if there was that sort of thing you know it just it it just spirals you know there there's just like mm-hmm. you said there's no anchor there's no you know, disciplinarian, or or know some, you know, someone like a Vince McMahon, or or you know, now Triple H, who is is the man, and so, you know, Khan's trying to play that role, but not doing a very good job because he's trying to let both sides kind of do their thing, and we just saw what happens when you
0: do that and you don't put a tight control on it. So, well, it's because of the way that he started it out, and he was the money guy. Yep. And the, they were the wrestling guys. Yep. And now you're in a position where the money guy. Is trying to uh, is trying to assert the control that he probably deserves in many cases because it's his money, it's his right. investment. Right. But those wrestling guys are never going to look at it that way because yeah. they're the ones who are like, I'm the one who makes this happen. We are the ones who make this happen, even though they're still exact they're they're going to look at it whenever it's convenient from the talent portion, and then when it's convenient, they'll be like, Oh well, you know, we have to make these choices because we're executives, you know it's just a it's a piss poor way of setting your company up and that's going to be something that quite honestly this is this i think this might be the thing that is going to be how how aew rises and falls is if they can straighten yeah. out this i don't know that they can because i'm not sure tony khan necessarily has the uh the huevos to to handle uh some some sweeping out of the corners yeah
1: yeah yeah we'll see so- overall sur- surreal scene and, and just a, uh, you know, just, just crazy. I, I mean, I, just, I don't want to prolong this longer, but, but I just real, just a quick hot take from you. What was your initial reaction when, when you watched it though? Like what, what was your, just what was going through your head, even though you didn't have some of the context,
0: just how bat spit insane it was like on one hand, I'm like, I'm, i I kind of appreciate like, wow, this is kind of a cool thing to do a post wrestling pay-per-view to then have like a like a press conference like a like a like it's a big fight like I I appreciate the reality of that as it's going on I'm like and this is why WWE does not do this because setting someone down in front of a mic like this with total freedom to just do whatever the hell they want at the after you know an air whatever dirty laundry it they just wouldn't do that and I'm like, this is the this is the per- textbook example of like now forever and ever, amen. If anyone comes up with that idea, Triple H is just going to pull this up on YouTube, turn the laptop around, say, any questions of why we don't want to do this? Actually, they they did it at their last big event. The Are clash you serious? The they yes. did.
1: Yeah, wow. but it's but it's controlled. Well, it's... yeah, I
0: mean, because honestly, th- even even though Triple H is the new guy, he has way more control over talent and over people oh, than yeah. Tony yeah. Khan would. Yeah. I'm surprised at that. It's, it's, it's part of, it's more part of the show than it is
1: what, what it was for AEW. You know what I mean? Like it's not as off the cuff. It's not as, you know, like, you know, when Roman Reigns comes out, he is coming out as Roman Reigns in character. You know what I mean? Like not, it's not, you Roman Reigns where he can, you know, do a you know, make a joke and get a few laughs. Like he's kind of goofing off with the reporters. You know what I mean? He, He is still in acknowledge me mode, you know, and, and play and playing the gimmick while he's
0: doing it. So. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I know I I just put my foot in my mouth there. So you you didn't know. I'm just going to chew on this for a while. And, but no, I, I, I think it's, I think when I was watching, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Like with a, with a company that is doing all of like so well that this is, I can't believe that this, this crap is getting aired. Like, wow, this is, this is kind of, Sucks.
1: There, there were times just real quick for me and then we'll, we'll, I, I think we'll X the other thing and we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, just yeah. move into tombstone here. But um, I will say for me, there have been times when some of, you know, back in my early years of watching wrestling as a fan, where you see, you know two guys going at it and the animosity and stuff and and knowing some of the behind the scenes you know especially with guys who had real animosity for each other and kind of wishing it would go to a place where it was was kind of that real and now seeing it actually happen you're just like oh sweet god
0: this is not (laughs) Mm. this is not as cool of a thing as i thought it was gonna be (laughs) No, it doesn't really ever seem like when they try and take real life and turn it into an angle that it ends well. I mean, that's where you end up with like, oh, hey, Razor Ramon is having trouble drinking or Scott Hall is having trouble with his drinking. Like, oh, that's really going to help that guy. Right. Or, you know, oh, this guy's wife is cheating on on him with this other guy. Like, oh, yeah, that's going to end real well. Like, yeah, "Yeah, let's let's put a whatever one of the Hardys and uh, Edge and Alita and let's make that an angle like, oh, sure, this will end well. Right. I'm sure no one will be upset about this. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, no, it's unfortunate and, and it'll be interesting if, you know, something with punk is decided in the next couple of weeks or, uh, if they end up, um, you know, if they end up parting ways with him before he's healed up or if they use the nine months and try to have, you know, this get smoothed over and have him come back. I, I honestly don't know how it's even going to work out, you know, given what happened. Um, because of the fact that there, there's just, it. it seems like he's not one that lets things go very well. And no. so no, I, no, 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 no. I just don't sadly don't know how this is going to move forward. So we'll, we'll have to see if it's, you know, I think AEW can live if they cut, you know, CM Punk and stay with Omega and the bucks. But, um, as I read today or yesterday, if Omega and the bucks were to be let go or, or they were to part ways with AEW, I think that would rip, rip the heart and soul out of them. So, I mean, like you said, I think there needs to be maybe an adjustment of, of, are they still really EVPs or not? And, and, you know, kind of make some changes that way.
0: Well, the only thing is uh, you're not going to take that away from them. I think the only way I, I mean, I'm, I'm of the other opinion. I think the only way that this gets resolved is if those three do leave, because you're, you're not going to get rid of an executive vice president any other way. You're not going to tell them, by the way, we're taking away your title yeah unless there's some massive buyout but even then i can't imagine that they're doing well enough to do that and then to also just not have any um any harsh feelings down the road like one way or the other they're a ticking time bomb whether it's it's because you're going to have to do something about them or because you're just waiting for them to you know for one or, or all three of them to start tailing off and to not be as over and and for them to then realize like, oh, I and and then try and lobby their way still into main event angles and everything else. I think they got to go. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the only way you're going to do it, which is is will be interesting because then where, where do you go from there? But I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know all the people in their roster. So who knows? Who knows?
1: Well, after taking this segment way longer than intended that, my friends is the weekend geek.
0: I love how you always say, oh, that went that went longer than intended. Yeah, like you talking, wrestling, and then pulling me on it, in on it is going to just be a brief thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, man. I appreciate the lie every time, though. Sweet, sweet, sweet lies. Just tell them to me, tell them to me, and whisper in them in my ear. Indeed. Anyways. We are now going to talk a little Tombstone because we're going to go from, oh, here we go. go from you know, a, a fight at the United Center to the OK Corral, which <laughs> seems about right, honestly. Kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> so I am uh, Tombstone, of course, 1993, uh, the Kurt Russell vehicle starring a cast of, of thousands here. Oh, um, oh my gosh. It's such a great flick. And I don't know. I can't remember if this was a big hit. When it came out, but it has certainly taken on a life, uh, as as many movies have afterwards, of just a life of their own. And uh I am going to say, just right off the bat, uh, honestly, the star of this movie—I know Kurt Russell is the the top build star. The star of this movie is Val Kilmer, oh, as Doc call it, hundred percent. And that is the, that is the reason why it is so rewatchable. I was mm-hmm. rewatching this movie right before we actually when you when you texted me and we're like hey are we recording i'm like oh crap um i was watching it (laughs) yes folks this is how it happens we we decide on an evening and then he goes and watches a movie (laughs) well at least i was watching the movie that we were talking about you know it wasn't fair i wasn't watching wanda the wicked warden on vhs you know thank you uh but uh oh my gosh just realizing how many great lines he has and just how he kind of really holds together so many parts of the story and is also just like he is both the angel and the devil on Wyatt Earp's shoulders. It mm-hmm. is it is absolutely wonderful, his part in this movie. Um, but overall, I mean, what are your impressions of of this movie, sir? Uh,
1: I mean, this is completely back what you just said. Um, yeah, Like I was looking at the cast lineup and, you know, last episode, you know, we, we would run through some of the actors and some of the movies from 99. And I, I'm looking at this list. I mean, we would have to read every, like almost every single person in this movie either was someone or became someone extraordinarily, you know, popular as an actor or actress, uh, you know, after this movie, I mean, it, it, it's like an all-star lineup. It's really incredible. Kind of this lightning in the bottle sort of moment where you have all of these mm-hmm. people together. Um, I mean, I'm scrolling all the way down. Terry O'Quinn who became big through, you, you know, the, the show lost, uh, was in
0: this, uh, Frank Stallone was in it. Uh, Wait, where was Fra- uh where, who's Frank Stallone, uh, Ed Bailey, <laughs> That's right. Cause I remember he was, I, I mentioned, like, I read an article about Tombstone. They're like, oh, and Frank Stallone's I was like, what? Yeah. Where the hell was, you know, take me back? Where that, where the hell was he? Was he sitting around like a, like a, were they singing that song off in the background somewhere? I, I was hoping, but no, they
1: weren't. You know, Michael Rooker before Michael Rooker was Michael oh, Rooker. The uh,
0: Rook. Oh, oh my yeah. Oh, gosh. Boy, uh, well, he had like two lines and then it was just him like in the making sour faces, but it was so worth it.
1: Yep. Yeah, but no, I mean this this is a classic for me. This, you know, when I watched it, I I, like you said, I did not see it in the theater either. This was a, uh, at the time, VHS uh, discovery uh, that I made, and just was really taken with the, uh, you know, the style of it, the the characters. Uh, Doc Holliday was just the best. I, I. you know, just iconic, uh, the way Val Kilmer plays him. Um, Kurt Russell, you know, just incredible as the Earps uh, or as Wyatt Earp. And then, you know, with, uh, with Bill Paxson and, um, uh, sorry, we got to scroll up Sam Elliott, you know, playing his brothers. Mm. Um, just, just all of them just had their moments where, you know, they just had scenes that made them. And it, this just felt like I, I was never one to get into Westerns, but I felt like this film took all the great things about you know, Westerns that I think, you know, like either my parents or, or even my, like on my my father's side, my grandmother was very much into Westerns. and, And I think my grandfather was as well. Um, and, you know, I never understood why, you know, they would have them on, you know, like, like on TV playing like a, you know, like an old Western or something like that. And I just couldn't get into it. But there were, you know, I remember there were thematic elements in those movies that I remember seeing, you know, kind of come out in, in this one. And it's almost like they took all of kind of the good things and 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 the best, you know, the best and, and plugged mm-hmm. it into this and turned it into this really you know, great. You know, roller coaster ride of you know, kind of the rise and the fall of the Erps, and and whoa, ladies and gentlemen, Wyatt's reckoning. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, <laughs> so it was fantastic. But you know, having a lot of heart, and you know, like you said, the thread through it all was was Doc and and his relationship to Wyatt, and so it, it wasn't a one dimensional movie by any stretch either. I mean, it had layers to it, and just made a deep, uh, just a deep movie with, with a deep story. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, it, had the action for, for people who were into action movies and that sort of thing, but it was just done in a very stylistic manner that I think, was consumable and, and relatable for, for folks, you know, in, in the nineties when it came out. So uh, just, just a favorite of mine. I I could plop down and watch this time and time again. This does not get old for me. And as we'll get into it, uh, just, Oh my gosh, the quotes, the quotes. Oh, Oh Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Many from doc. (laughs) Most of them, most of them from doc. Really? Um, well, Wyatt has a couple uh like like what you referred to earlier the uh, skin that smoke wagon go yeah. to work
0: Jer- no no it's jerk that pistol and go to work because it's just skin that smoke wagon and then he starts smacking them
1: oh Actually, right yeah 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 you're right
0: you're right and the best one is like are you gonna do anything you're just gonna stand there and bleed which is <laughs> oh that one was good and then that he was... takes him
1: by the ear and throws him out
0: yeah Come here, young fella! (laughs) Oh my gosh! Oh my! And then just so calmly turns around. Uh, Twenty-five percent of the house takes. Sounds good. (laughs) He takes over the card game. It's his boom. Like he already had it planned out. He saw the whole thing. So what we're gonna do here is we're actually gonna use a. We're gonna kind of break this down, but we're gonna try and go kind of logically because, as you know, idiots, idiots, idiots (laughs) like to have logic. I can't even pronounce idiots. My gosh, this seltzer's getting to me.
1: Why are Uh, you an idiot? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe, um, I'm a, no. He's an oak. Don't you know? Um, so <laughs> I, we're going to break down. Corrected.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> we uh, we're we're sort of like in in judging baseball players. We're gonna we're gonna see if this is a five tool movie. So in, in baseball, I don't even know what all the five tools in baseball are. What is it? Speed, hit for power, hit for average.
2: fielding, oh, was
0: something else. Hitting, running, stealing. Oh, gosh! you're gonna make me look this up aren't you i am baseball five i can't type tools let's see what that means hitting for average hitting for power defense speed throwing arm i was close enough and well so was i but we were both wrong so if you
1: blend our answers we're right
0: <laughs> oh so you, between two idiots to make like one regular person that's great <laughs> <laughs> However, we're we're going to look at here is cast and performance as one tool. The script overall is another tool. Directing, cinematography and FX, and then soundtrack and sound. Actually, no, wait. We uh, I goofed this up. We're going to have quotability because that's that is a huge one for us.
1: Well, I, I dropped that into script. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So, so let me. So I, I think when we do script, that's when we'll kind of run through you know the the favorites and kind of talk about that.
0: Okay perfect i just added that in there see we, we have an outline but it is always subject to change so let's talk about uh cast and performance because you've already started in on that this cast is rather uh stacked and but not necessarily in the in the in the moment it wasn't stacked there are some of right, these folks who then right. went on to bigger and better things uh mm-hmm. there were also i mean like sam elliott kurt russell bill paxton well bill paxton yeah no he was a heavy hitter by that point i mean it, it he was still kind of in the beginning of his you know coming out at, you know as a as a main man in in movies but but yeah is, this was post aliens was this before twister uh what year is this 93 no this was uh,
1: before twister twister okay. was
0: 96 because i always think of that as, as like his real like leading man sort of role you know yeah that was his flick well his fill and uh was Helen Hunt
1: yeah him and Helen
0: Hunt yeah yeah that like they carried the movie so anyway um but I mean then you just start getting down like you were saying like Powers Booth Mm -hmm. oh my gosh as Curly Bill Brocious come on Mm -hmm. was there anyone more delightful as a as like a bad guy but a bad guy who you're almost like you know he almost, eh, you know, he's not as, not as devious as you would think, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of almost like a, I don't know, there's something about him that was, it still made him somewhat endearing. It's like a heel in wrestling that you're like, I, I know I'm supposed to root against you, but you've got style, you know, you yeah. have panache. Uh, he was so good. Uh, of course, I mean, Michael Bean as Johnny Ringo. I mean, what else are you going to ask? for? you even got Charlton Freak and Heston. You got Moses in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, Speaking of which, did you hear the MJF thing that uh, he said, I guess the night after on whatever their Monday night show is uh, AEW's, he talked about you know how he is, there was someone else with an M who led his people and all this and and when this whole <laughs> thing. And then he ends up, he's like, I'm not saying that I'm Moses. That would be ridiculous. I'm better than Moses. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that afterwards. I'm like, Wow, that's 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 a bold move right there mm-hmm. when you're gonna when you go biblical in a promo. I mean, how do you how do you bring that back? <laughs> we even have Jason Priestley in this thing for God's sake. Yep, like I, I, there was uh, how many movies? Uh, Billy Bob. Yep, I, uh, but I just remember like so you had the some of the nine hundred two and gang was trying desperately to get out of the nine hundred two and shadow. So you had like Jason mm-hmm. Priestley in this movie. Then you uh, and remember in um the Fifth Element. You had, uh, oh my gosh, what was the dude who played Dylan? I oh, can't remember uh, his name.
1: Luke Perry. Yeah.
0: And he's like the guy at the beginning of that. And they're trying to kind of get out from under that. And it's just like, nope, sorry, just Who's, go back to whose the TV His son, pit, by the way, belong. is
1: a uh, regular on AEW. Are you serious? His son is Jungle Boy. Uh, I forget his <laughs> full name, but his he goes by Jungle Boy
0: right on see it all ties back folks it all ties back it's like 13 degrees of separation but we managed to make it work and then yeah. of course uh you know Thomas Hayden church uh I ain't drinking no more Malo that wasn't his <laughs> line but still um Billy Zane Dane, uh yep uh and then uh Dana delaney mm-hmm. playing Josephine Marcus who did you know dun-na-na, dun-na-na. she was in an episode of Battlestar Galactica
1: she was
0: yes the episode sacrifice that is correct playing uh Sesha abanel whoever that's that right. might have been
1: that's right and if i may jump in yes paula malcolmson who plays ally erp she uh-huh. ended up playing the wife of the creator of the cylons in that short lived show caprica
0: well we're just you know you can't all be hits <laughs>
1: just saying there's the bsg
0: connection <laughs> that's that's like nah, that's like son of bsg oh, it's like one of those bad kung fu movies where, like you have a sequel but none of the original cast no okay call it, call it son of battle star no galactica rest. perfect um then of course uh what was it there's uh what was the guy's name i've got it right uh oh no yeah, stephen lang who this... reportedly okay sorry who reportedly was drunk through most of filming <laughs> wouldn't well hey you know you gotta gotta do the it's research method. it's method exactly exactly but I, I couldn't believe that like stephen lang was was ike clanton the cowardly ike clanton and he was also that badass colonel in avatar like i yeah. never connected those dots yeah that blows me away okay that, that, that now was i the have a beginning respect for yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I think he was one of those guys that was kind of, you know, on, on the uptick, you know, as far as his mm-hmm. career, not established yet, but man, if he is not, uh, I, I have this in our, in our notes here, but if he is not the best heel in a movie, I don't know what you know who, who comes close because it isn't so much that he's like a dominant bad guy but it's like i'm gonna puff my chest out and i'm gonna be you know mr big uh you know like like for about five minutes until i turn around and you know sam Elliott cracks me over the head with
0: with oh, yeah. a rifle you know, he, is, he is by far one of the best cowardly heels in <laughs> cowardly a movie heel. ever thank you thank yes you. like the one that oh, begs, like talks tough and then begs off at the at the first of yes. trouble like yes yeah. oh, and the okay gosh. corral don't shoot me i'm not armed <laughs> And then, of course, he goes and grabs a gun and starts trying to take him out, you know, uh, shoot him in the back. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Yeah. Ike was just a piece of freaking work. Yeah. The one that the one that uh, that I think is very interesting Mm -hmm. is that we actually almost didn't get Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Really? Did you know Willem Dafoe was the original choice to play Doc Holliday? What? Which would have been a totally different movie. I mean, I'm not saying Willem Dafoe couldn't have pulled it off. Couldn't have been a a doc holiday, but nothing close to this. The whole reason he didn't get it, I guess, is because um, who was it that produced this movie? Was this I think this was produced somewhere along the lines through whatever it was they willem defoe had just done the passion of the uh, not the passion of the christ that would have oh, been all right last it was the last of temptation christ. of christ yeah and at that point uh the the studio was like uh-uh no way he ain't <laughs> he ain't yeah. gonna be in our flick and so yeah. we get val kilmer and thank god for that um so that was interesting but yeah and of course val kilmer um outstanding uh kurt russell it, is is really good in this with the exception of one or two moments which actually mm-hmm. I kind of well we'll separate that out overall his performance is is very good so I'll just mm-hmm. say that and I'll save the rest for um for the directing category <laughs> but I'm prepared yes. I'm prepared to just on the basis of like the top line cast just to, just to give this a 5 this mm-hmm. is this is a, this mm-hmm. is a uh, and we're voting on these each category is scored 0 to 5 worst to best and arbitrarily i've just basically said anything over 18 qualifies as a five tool flick hmm. i'm i'm giving this a 5 like it is an outstanding cast yeah what do you say sir
1: uh no i'm i'm with you i'm i'm going to 5 as well um you, you know I, I already talked about the star power i just want to take a minute to to just uh, you know as you talked about val kilmer's doc holiday and you know just just the the way he plays you know, the, this, this tortured soul of, of, of Doc. And, and yet, as you also said, it plays the angel and the devil on the shoulder of, of Wyatt, you know, and, and how their relationship Mm -hmm. over the course of the movie is kind of this constant where you have Wyatt, you know, doing and, and, you know, kind of getting himself into situations and Doc being that constant for him. And, and then, you know, at the very end, uh, yeah, that that great scene, and you know, as as Doc is on his deathbed, where you know he just tells him, you know, go, you know, live life to to the hilt, you know, like like just live, you know, go out mm-hmm. there, you know, kind of his his last, you know, bit of 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 support and stability for his friend, just telling him, just go out there and 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 you know, be you and and live your life, you know, don't 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 live your life for you know, according to to another sort of set of rules, but live, you know, live, live life as, as you need to. And, uh, and, you know, much the way he did, you know, and, and not, you know, I don't think Wyatt Earp went and lived the sort of hedonistic lifestyle that Doc did, but it was, it was that idea of, you know, not, not holding back and, 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 you know, him wanting his friend to, to, to really embrace his freedom and, and to go and, and be happy and, and, and that sort of thing. And so I, I just really appreciated that throughout the, throughout the whole movie. I mean, especially, you know, you talk about performances uh, like I, I really enjoy the scene when, you know, they're, they're about to do the the face off uh, or, or the standoff at the OK Corral. And and Wyatt says to Doc, you know, you, you don't have to get involved in this, you know, because mm, he, he sees yeah. the writing on the wall. And and just the way Kilmer plays it, where like that, like like Doc Holliday looks legitimately hurt. Oh yeah! insulted like any other time in the movie he is stone cold this one you look at him he looks like a a skull a a wounded puppy yeah it's like hot that's a hell of a thing for you to say to me
0: (laughs) yeah and i agree like that is like the 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 relationship they kurt russell and and val kilmer do such a great job of of like portraying a a somewhat complicated friendship
2: yeah because you have to remember
0: like doc is not i mean not working on the right side of the law right. most of the time right. and right. and Wyatt was the law you know yeah and oh my gosh and of course that that intro scene for for doc was just again it just gives you everything you need to know about him yeah and, and val camera just chewing that scene up mm. oh my gosh so good but johnny yeah. tyler you madcap where you going with that shotgun oh my gosh this this should have been just an award for that accent right right there is just utterly oh chef's kiss you may go what do you what do you what do you give oh my gosh that's so good too like just the fact that they're just so dismissive like at that point like the the only thing they could have done to like essentially make themselves like like to to like to to like be any more like kind of uh dominant in that scene is like they would have all mm. just had to basically just pee on johnny tyler like that's the <laughs> only way they could have asserted any more dominance over him like why oh just smack the living crap out of him and <laughs> tossed him out by his ear and he shows up with a shotgun even when he shows up no one is concerned yeah like yeah. none of the Earth brothers even really give him that much they all just kind of look at him but mm-hmm. none no one reaches for a gun nothing and then they have this whole conversation as he's just standing there with the shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then Doc's like, Oh, you may go now. <laughs> and why's like, leave the shotgun. And then he won't even take it out of his hand. Like he makes him just set it down on the ground. And then Johnny Tyler thanks him <laughs> as he's walking away. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was yeah. it was just like it told yeah. you kind of like those couple scenes just kind of told you everything you needed to know about those characters which i want to talk a little bit more about that in the script but yeah oh my gosh yeah. so so good but um, anyways what, what's your score on this because otherwise we are just going to reenact know, this like moment by moment for re- the rest of the show re-
1: real quick la- last point is on johnny ringo jeez oh, uh, here we go j- just michael bean michael oh, bean yeah. fantastic job playing the the heel to holiday's face and
0: he is the real villain of the movie really oh,
1: absolutely absolutely and and plays it very very well and and mm. yeah so just you know we we beat it to death top to bottom fantastic cast the performances all you know just just excellent um going with a 5 on this one cuz it it's just top notch it's just top notch can't can't say anything more
0: agreed agreed and and this might have been like the perfect role for Michael Bean because oh, yeah. he's he gets to play a bad guy but he's also a bad guy that you're like there's layers to him, Like there is, there is a tragedy to that character and you, yeah. and you do get it a little bit when you, when they, um, and let's, let's get into kind of the script now, but like when that, that back and forth between him and doc
2: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's
0: very true. Like that whole, like I recognize something around the eyes. It reminds me of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, now I'm sure I hate him, you know? And it, there is a bit of that, like, there there is there are levels to that character of Johnny Ringo and the, you kind of get enough of that you don't need to know like you don't need a 20 minute backstory on him but you just get it and that's through very economical storytelling and mm-hmm. also great performance by Michael Bean don't t- I'm not taking anything away from him but there's also the way they kind of just even in the beginning of you know when the cowboys ride into town and they take out the wedding party and you know of course Johnny Ringo translates what the priest was actually saying and recognizes that it was from Revelations, mm-hmm. and then you know, of course, then he shoots him, and is just very calm. Like this guy is a, a, a man who essentially has almost no fear. Yeah, and and then yeah. even when they're when they're doing the play and talking about Faust and and saying you know what would you do? He's like I already ma- I already did it. Like essentially, like I already sold my soul to the devil. Yeah, and, and again, like just adding more layers and oh my gosh the script does this so well like they it's i was i was watching it today and within 25 minutes you have all the pieces on the chessboard yeah and in a two-hour movie within the first quarter of the movie Mm -hmm. everything is now set up you've met all the main characters and you know kind of who they all are like you you really have a good capsule thumbnail sketch of everyone yeah. So you got a good view of everything. They've introduced the town. They've introduced kind of this power vacuum. They've introduced, you know, the, the love interest for Wyatt Earp. They've introduced the bad guys. They've introduced everybody there. And you kind of now are like, okay, now what? And then you get to build this, this terrific kind of build up to the okay. Corral, which would be kind of the end of the movie for a lot of people. But then it's like, no, that's like the middle of the movie. Now mm-hmm. it's the beginning of this other thing. Yeah. And it yeah. just takes you on this ride that is it's not a conventional the conventional way that I think a lot of people would have told that story. and I think that's a great job by the writer
2: yeah and
0: uh and and just is is economic in the way that it does things, you know yeah. and in and in portraying Wyatt as who he is because Wyatt is kind of in a way the the reluctant hero, which kind of plays off of a lot of his own, you know, Per his own reputation which he distributed because everyone else was dead so he can say whatever the hell he wants <laughs> and then it turns out he kind of was closer to some of the things that have been said about him but you know it's very weird because Wyatt it is an interesting character because he's a, he doesn't know he is just sort of wandering through this thing like when he when his when his brother asked him hey do you believe in god yeah no i don't know well what do you think happens to you when you die i don't know and yeah. then when, you know, when Josephine is asking him about what he wants to do and he just kind of is, he's flustered because he doesn't want to face these questions and all this, like he is, he is not a, for all of like his directness, he really doesn't necessarily know his own mind. Yeah. It's very, he's a very strange main character, like a main hero character. No, And I itself. really appreciate it. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he necessarily does. In some no. ways he very much does. It seems like, in, in many ways, he almost knows other people better than he knows himself. Like, he can mm-hmm. size up Johnny Tyler in a heartbeat yeah. and know exactly what he's dealing with. Yeah. You know? Um, but himself, not so much. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and when you talk about the the, the economics of, of how they do it or the efficiency and how they tell this stuff. So, this quote, this is Doc Holliday when Wyatt's asking him, like, what makes... A man like you know, Ringo, you know, do the things he does. And he says, A man like Ringo has got a great big hole right in the middle of him. He can't never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. And Earp says, Well, what is he, what does he need? And Holiday says, Revenge, and Earp says for what? And then Holiday just coolly says, Being born. Yeah. And no it's what, great what, what, what that's writing. also kind of a sad thing too, because like you said, I think Holiday knows Ringo so well because that's holiday
0: well i think it's holiday in uh, all, honestly i think doc holiday is trying to is trying to commit suicide mm-hmm. like he he knows i mean at that point you know he's a lunger he's got tuberculosis it was right. tuberculosis right yeah 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 So yeah. he has this disease that is is going to kill him and there's no cure for it like he goes out west because supposedly you know dry air is going to help him but he's he's not getting any better and he's essentially just gonna okay now i'm I'm just going to be a gambler and I'm going to drink and I'm going to smoke and I'm probably going to get shot. And at the end of the day, it's like the, sh- it, that's not what gets him. Like he, in, in his, despite his best efforts, he lives, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. it's, it's like against the odds. So, I mean, it's almost like the, it's the kind of the lighter and darker version of those stories, but yeah, they're both like, these characters who are doomed they're both yeah. doomed characters and they both have different ways of of working through that whereas yeah. doc is like i'm gonna be a kind of a hedonist and have fun and yeah i might i'll steal the money when i'm heading out of the casino but you know he tried to shoot me so eh, i feel kind of justified you know i'm not gonna kill him i'll just stab him you know whereas you know johnny ringo's like i'll just shoot them all i don't care I'm- yeah going to hell anyways so yeah let me shoot the priest let me do this let me do that that's how i look at it all right all right let's see uh
1: so what else around script and quotability i mean we could go on for days about the quotes uh you know when when why it starts his reckoning any he, any he, uh basically blindsides ike at the train station you know you called down the thunder well and now you've got it um yeah you know, and and just that that whole that whole speech about you tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me. You hear hell's coming with me. I mm-hmm. mean, like on its own, if someone just kind of read you that, like I just did, and just did it in their own way, it just sounds probably kind of cheesy. But when you see it in the movie, it is it is a great scene. <laughs> it's just like, good lord, here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I what? come well, on, we can talk a little bit about that i i think those are some of the weaker things and i think wow i think i think they were trying to make them legit but there's some things that's just like no that's just verging into some cheese like yes some of it some of it yes there are there are a couple of moments where i'm like okay we went really over the top there and it felt out of place in the movie
1: i'm surprised by that wow
0: I mean, I, I get it. Like the, you call down the thunder and hell's coming with me. Like I get, okay, those, those moments. No, those are not ones that I'll point out, but there's a couple of others that I would.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, I, I have a couple nits as well. I mean, to, to me and, and sorry to do this, but it's me. So I'll, I'll, I'll translate it into wrestling. I think the reason why like scenes like, like the way the movie plays resonates with me so much is it is kind of the classic, you know, wrestling story, right? The baby face gets their tail kicked. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like they get poked, they get prodded. Finally, you know, they, they lash back and fight a little bit and get a victory. And then they, they suffer a pretty significant loss. And now it's like now is the big baby face comeback you know where where wyatt goes on that rampage and it's not just a i'm looking to just you know show you guys who's the law i'm go i'm going to wipe you all out you're done and the mm-hmm. way they do it is just i i feel like they 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 get the emotion of it right you know what i mean like like they get you to a place where you, you know you don't see morgan's death coming you know you think it's going to be more his you know like the sam Elliott character based on what happens and stuff and so when when morgan dies and you know you got Wyatt kind of leaving town there's a part of you that's like okay there's a lot of time left for this movie to run so something's got to happen but you're not really sure what it's going to be and when it turns into a full-blown like he's finally embracing being a lawman again to go out and and kind of you know reconcile what what this group has done and the lives that this group has destroyed it it just kind of has that emotional payoff and so I feel like while it may be over the top or, or feel cheesy, it's just kind of, it plays to the emotion of the story. You know, this, this is him. This is him becoming why really becoming Wyatt Earp. Like you said, he was kind of like this sort of peaceful shell of himself. Who's trying to like forge a, you know, a life, you know, kind of like Michael Corleone, right. He's trying to do, he's trying to find, he's uh, trying to go legit. He's trying to go legit in, in a way that doesn't play to you know, his more violent tendencies and, and, and the skills that he has. And, you know, they, they, they leave him no other choice, but to go to the, to the dark place to, to deal with them. And he takes Doc with him. And, and that's why I, you know, when I said about the doc quote, I mean, I've, I agree with what you're saying, but I have always viewed Doc as, you know, similar to Johnny Ringo. Like if, if put in the right position, he is, he is a cold blooded killer. He will take someone out, you know, as, as we see him do to Johnny Ringo himself.
0: Oh no, and, totally. Doc is not above killing somebody. What I just mean is, I think, I think it comes from a somewhat, even though it's coming from a, a similar doomed place. Yeah, they approach it in a different way, and that 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 approach does make a difference.
1: Yeah, yes, he, he's not totally to the dark side, but I feel like he understands enough of the dark side to recognize it in Johnny. You know, like like he oh, sees yeah. himself in John, some parts of himself in Johnny, probably mm-hmm. the not so great parts.
0: Yep. No, but, don't, I agree, and I mean tell. in quotes. We could go on and on forever. A couple of my favorites. It's true, you are a good woman. Then again, you may be the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was just like, oh my gosh, what a relationship! Well, this- a leap. <laughs> what a what a way! What a relationship this is, you know. But it, it totally fits that relationship. Like they, she is using him; he's using her, and. It's just like, okay, this is just another part of my doomed story, isn't it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, and the poker game at the beginning when they introduced Doc, he's like, are we cross? <laughs> if we weren't friends, I don't think I could bear it. And just, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so, so it just, and just kind of demonstrating what a cool customer Doc really is. Yeah. Like this is yeah. a guy who is not going to get, you're not going to wind him up you're not going to fluster him mm-hmm. because essentially he's like, I'm already dead. What are you going to do to me? You're going to kill me sooner. I'm probably going to die in the next couple of years anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you, you're not. There's no way you can frighten me because I know death is coming for me. I'm just not exactly sure when, but it's coming a lot quicker than than it is for everyone else. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what was it? Uh, Just going through some of these. Oh, my gosh is so good like you well, know of course oh, of good. course you know there's you know where's where's Wyatt he's down by the creek walking on water I mean, <laughs> but then also in that same thing like why are you here doc you know because Wyatt Earp is my friend I got lots of friends like I don't yeah yeah and it just kind of it it is a sad commentary like oh my gosh this this is a very lonely individual you know yeah, yeah. oh man so good yeah um you know we
1: talked about it before but you know uh the the scene in the uh in the bar when wyatt starts slapping around johnny tyler and he says go ahead and skin it skin that smoke wagon and see what happens yes he's like i'm getting awful tired of you and he's like i'm getting tired of your gas now jerk that pistol and go to work (laughs) yeah i mean i really feel like they, they they tried to go for some of the you know, I don't know if this is truly language from, from the West, but it feels like it could be, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. And, yeah. You know, like, and especially like Ike, when, when the, um, uh, when, when they're in the bar after the performance and, uh, it's, it's kind of the first, you know, meeting of, of Ringo and, and, and holiday and, you know, uh, Ike Clanton, you know, does his deal where he's like, listen, Mr. Kansas law dog law, don't go around here anymore. Savvy. You know, it's just, it just feels like, A foreign language, you know, in a way. Yeah. Like, I know what he's saying, but it's just stated in such a weird, indirect way.
0: Yeah. Even if it's not legit, like, era speech, it's one of those things where it, if it it feels true enough, it feels right. You know, like you 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 see it, you know, some historian, but, well, you know, (laughs) actually, they didn't use that word. Megan was like, ah, you know what? It feels real enough and it works for the story. It's a movie. It's all, you know, to some degree or another, this is all kind of made up. So just relax um i love the i love the you die first get it your friends might get me in a rush but not before i make your head into a canoe you understand <laughs> <laughs> which is, is that is great another great ike clanton moment where you know he's basically peeing himself right there in the middle of the street um i don't think i'll let you arrest us today behan um, that's
1: that's a such a great line
0: when he comes uh, out
1: and he acts like he's like, "All right, you're all under arrest," and Earp's like, uh, "Yeah, you're you're on my playground, Mister."
0: <laughs> yeah, or or the fact that after uh, you know, after he after Doc shoots Johnny Ringo and Wyatt sees the star, and he's like, "My my hypocrisy only goes so far." <laughs> this is great. Oh my gosh! He even gave yeah. a great
1: quote to uh to to the the old marshal Fred White come on, boys, we don't want any trouble in here, not in any language.
0: Yes, which is great, <laughs> which, the whole which Latin exchange.
1: Basically his way of saying, I don't know what the heck you two just said, but it ain't good and I don't want any problems.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like a parent, honestly, because sometimes like as a parent, you, don't, you didn't necessarily hear all of it, but you heard enough and you heard the tone and you're like, you know what, I don't like that. I don't even know what you said, but that ain't working. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, 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 so good. Any other uh, um, good ones we uh, we left out here? Let's they're see. They're all good. Oh my gosh. You're um, no Daisy. You're no Daisy at all. Oh my. I guess the strain must have just been too much to bear. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh um, my
1: gosh. Uh, what else? Let me see. Um, we'll wrap this up in a minute. Uh, let's see.
0: Oh, you're a Daisy if you do. <laughs> Or even, or even better, like when he comes out, you know, oh, it's the drunk piano player can't even, you know, can't even shoot straight. I'm this, you know, probably seeing two, double, and takes out the other pistol. Oh, I got two guns, one for each of you.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> or, or better yet, better yet, maybe poker is just not your game, Ike. I know. Let's have a spelling contest. <laughs> that is fantastic that was lovely oh
1: and in the scene where uh, afterwards uh, when ike is drunk which he is most of the movie and he yep. grabs his guns from the bartender and he's talking a bunch of crap about the the arps he's like next time i'll shoot the arps i'm gonna shoot him. i'm gonna t-, and he's just like walking backwards and you just yep. see like sam Elliott all of a sudden appear and he just takes the butt of his pistol and cracks him over the head it's just such a great such a great scene just just once again ike blanton cowardly heel of, of all time <laughs> uh good lord just just phenomenal
0: yeah and then of course the the one the last one on the the imdb page which is a good as good a place as any to end oh my god just when wyatt Earp sees doc wink at the- oh right <laughs> the right Cowboys, yes. he yep. starts reaching for his pistol like oh i really didn't want it to go this way <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was great oh and, and yeah. one last one with uh, Holiday and Kate Kate you're not wearing a bustle oh, how lewd <laughs> and then when they're heading out now I know why you weren't wearing your bustle <laughs> oh my gosh so good oh. or even, or even uh, cover your ears darling <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Oh. So before we reenact the entire movie, like I said, I'm giving this a five out of five. This is I no question. What yep. do you, What are you laying Same. down here? Same. All right. Same. All right. So now we get into our third tool, directing. Now this is where is <laughs> things are interesting because yeah. Tombstone is an interesting flick when it comes to directing because the original director was the was the screenwriter, uh, which was Kevin Jar or Jari, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce the name. Kevin Jar. That's what I'm going to call. However, he was replaced in uh, early on in filming with George P. Cosmo- Cosmatos. Cosmatos. Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing that right? I think so. I'm asking you because it sounds like a Greek name. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks. That's a ringing endorsement, <laughs> which was interesting because he was recommended by Sylvester Stallone because he had directed Stallone in Cobra. So there is a direct ah. line that you can you can make between Cobra and Tombstone. Well, and when you, you think about it, it kind of makes sense. However, uh, basically this was Ghost directed by Kurt Russell uh, because it was not when when uh, the new director was brought in. There was not much time for him to get ramped up on stuff. So essentially, he was there kind of he was directing, but Kurt Russell had was knee deep in this project and, and actually was by many, by most accounts was the actual director, but did not want to be listed as the director. So there's kind of an, a little bit of interesting tidbits there which the two the two bits of direction I have I don't have a problem with most of the direction in this movie. I think it considering the the uh what was going on behind the scenes came out really well. Um the two parts I have trouble with is uh first of all the the after virgil is is dead scene and Morgan Morgan, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Virgil makes it. After Morgan's dead and he's out going outside in the rain and we have that scene in the street with Maddie and then Josephine. Yes. And, and Wyatt and in kind of like, you know, the sort of scene, you know, why God, why pulling up from this, uh, pulling up to the sky and all that. And, uh, that felt a bit much. That yeah. really just kind of took me out, takes me out of that every time. And I know it's supposed to be like pulling on my heartstrings, but I'm like, you just, it's like you, you're pulling them so tight that they, they snapped out of your hands. Like it's just a bridge too far. Um, And then the other moment, which I, I hate to do it because I laugh every time, but I, I still have to point this out. The, the, the famous shootout at the crick, uh, where Wyatt, you know, no no no, no 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 and then like that long drawn out no over the slow moment mo. to uh, do his palpatine for that one. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i laugh at it every time and i'm not supposed to laugh I know. I know this but i just feel like those two moments are the ones that i'm like ah, it's not great in those otherwise i think it's done really well yeah, and we can probably talk a little bit about the editing, too, because I think that that would kind of fall into some of this because it's it is a story choice, even though it might have been somewhat of a, an editing choice because you had an edit issue um, in terms of a, a knit to pick with the the night of the Earps downfall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I would I would agree with. It's it is a very weird editing job. And in fact, the part of the reason for that is that those events took place months apart. Right. in right. In reality. But yeah yeah That to me that's it's it's awkward there but otherwise i ain't got nothing really bad to say about it i feel like the all the performances which are part of you know also part of the director and the directors setting the setting the table for the actors and all that and giving direction like i i I feel like all those are good so i'm i'm still i'm gonna give this i'm gonna give it a four i gotta ding it a little bit for those but I mean, it's a it's a it's it would be a four point five if we wanted to go into decimals. But I, I'm going to give yeah. it a four. What would you say?
1: Well, if if you don't mind, after hearing you kind of talk, I think I'm going to fold in my nits in, into this one because I think that's where most of them are. Um, mm. Is is really around this area. So, you know, my my, my first knit is really around for, from and maybe this is more of a story issue than a directing issue. But I really felt like the part of the story around Wyatt and his wife and, you know, to some extent, you know, the, the, the Josephine triangle was really just not well done and, and not really well explained. I mean, his, his wife, of course, they they portray her as being a, you know, an addict of sorts. Um, I don't know that, you, you know, as, as, as I've watched the movie over and over again, I don't know that Wyatt comes off real well. You know what I mean? Like, like, no. And, and, and I don't know if they were just trying to use the the addict piece of it to make Maddie look like she's flawed and, you know, not worthy of him or whatever. But he really doesn't come off as, as a great husband. Um, You know, she has her issues. And once the Earps leave Tombstone after Morgan's death, we don't see her and hear from her anymore. And it's only through the narration at the end that we come to find out that she dies. So it's almost like like she died shortly after they left Tombstone. So, it's like and so why it's free to have his happy ending you know and it, it was just yeah. such a weird thrown together way of doing that you know I, I know you can't do exposition on everything and you know the focus was really on the battle between the Earps and, and the Cowboys but I don't know at it, it, it times it, you know from, from a directing standpoint I would have assumed trying to strike some sort of balance between the relationships of, of the Earps with their wives and um, and, and I kind of caught throughout, I mean, as they're riding into town, like Morgan's like, you know, just like getting all hot and bothered about the ladies he sees walking around. I'm like, your wife's sitting right next to you, dude. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like literally right behind you. Like she can hear you. Right. Right. But and, I mean, I guess I, mean, I I think. And I don't, I don't know if it to... was just the times, you know, that
1: they were trying to portray and whatever, you know, because yeah, of what it was. Yeah. But, but from a directing standpoint, I just felt like the continuity of. Wyatt and, and his, you know, with Josephine being kind of like the better match for him and, you know, Maddie being kind of the bad wife or the bad partner, it just, it just felt too weird the way they did it. And and I, and I kind of put that at the feet of the director. I don't think that was
0: guided the right way and, and, and told the right way. Um, yeah it's like in rounders like you have to have like maddie is portrayed as such the wet blanket she is Mm -hmm. uh she's matt damon's girlfriend in rounders where unfortunately you don't you're in such a rush to to focus on everything else and to to really kind of hit all your beats and to, to to flesh out all these areas that essentially like that character's only purpose is to be like this kind of stumbling block or an obstacle to be overcome or, or something. And in this case, you know, in Matt Damon's case, like, Oh, well, she's a thing that's keeping him from going and fulfilling his, you know, destiny as a great poker player. And you don't give her, you don't give them any redeeming qualities. Like there's no, you don't, you don't understand why they're together in the first place. And that's the problem because with Maddie, you just don't understand like why in the hell is Wyatt with her? Like, right. even if they even if they made some sort of, I mean, I, I, even if they made a, like a stupid joke or, or some scene about, oh, okay, she's fantastic in bed or something like, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm going right off the top of my head and coming up with like the laziest thing that you could possibly throw in there. At least that would be an explanation. Cause in the movie there's none. Right. There's no right. explanation of why in the hell would he be with her? Yeah. She is just a total wet blanket. She is never any fun. She is never any kind of mental stimulation, never any kind of emotional stimulation. There's, there's like nothing. Yeah. And it's like, why in the world would these two, cause she doesn't even seem like she wants to be with them. I'm like, why would these two people be together? Yeah. I, I don't get it. Yeah. So I totally agree with you there. Like that, that should have been fleshed out either that or it should have been downplayed. Like it, the, the love triangle didn't necessarily need to be as as out and out as it was like like maddie's showing up to the okay corral and there's josephine and then at the you know after morgan dies then there's they are there again like don't have those scenes and okay then it's not as big of a deal then it's just like yeah well these two star-crossed people are are kind of dancing in and out of each other's lives and then finally they they get together no, I totally I, t- I you're totally right on that. I should have I sh- I I wasn't until we start until you brought it up, I really wasn't able to put that together.
1: Yeah, and and, and the, the ending too was just kind of weird where it's like, you know, he, he goes to her and he's like, I, I have no money, I have this, and she's like, That's okay, I'm loaded. I'm like, Really? <laughs> it's like well... just, I mean, if that's what history was, then fine, but I'm just like it seems awfully convenient, you know. His addict wife yeah. dies, and now he's got the the gal who comes from money, and it's like, oh my god.
0: Yeah, it is a little. It is a little too cute. You it know is. what I mean? It is. Yeah. I I totally get it. The
1: the other directing nit, and this one is is a bit more egregious, is um, when Virgil uh, gets shot, and uh, you know Wyatt and Morgan are at his home. You know, as he's basically learning, he's going to have his. Uh, you know his his arm gonna have to be amputated um
0: well it wasn't I, amputated it's just it the nerves are shot so it's going to be useless
1: oh okay i thought it was amputated for some reason but no um yeah so so the nerves are shot and and i love that scene because like uh it, it, it's kind of like it really does play like a classic western like his wife is there sobbing at his side and he's like it's okay ali i'll hug you with the one arm i do have yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that, it, so it, that was funny. one of those moments it was a little bit so it was so cheesy that i was like all right fine it's <laughs> sam elliott man i mean how what? am i gonna get angry with sam elliott and his mustache he was the one guy in the in the entire movie where they're like okay you all got to grow out these mustaches and sam Elliott was like sam's <laughs> well, like i think done. I'm, I'm all set <laughs> oh okay even if sam elliott had shaved his mustache he probably could have sprouted it by the afternoon being yeah. like well I'll, yeah. just give me a couple hours you know like it just oh how'd you do that The power of my mind. That's right. That's right.
1: But, uh, and I believe I'm remembering this right. In that scene, though, Morgan is is upset by everything going on and kind of throws his hat and his his jacket and his gun on and, and just storms out.
0: Yes, and it, and went to play pool immediately.
1: The next scene is he's just relaxing, playing pool at the bar, and I'm like, "Well, that seems kind of a strange way to storm out of your brother's place to go yeah. vengeance upon the people who shot him." Um, and of course, I'm so then, angry
0: at this. I must go play billiards.
1: That's right. I'm going to take my my anger out on the on the pool balls, just because that's what I do. Um, and then, of course, you know, Morgan gets shot, and and you know, then then that's and it's really interesting. It's really around that whole sequence of scenes were were I see a lot of the missteps, you know, like and, and you correctly brought up um as well when when Wyatt goes stumbling out the door and he holds up his bloody hands to his wife and he's just kind of like aimlessly walking around and you have Josephine running up and he tells her to go away, leave me alone. And then his wife comes up and she just turns around and walks away. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? You oh,
0: know? Yeah, it was just, and actually I've f- even forgot the third thing of when when the Earths are heading out of town, that's when the that's the moment when Josephine picks to like go strutting across the street. Yes. It's it just so, so weird, so, so hamfisted it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, some of that might come back in the script. I don't know. I I probably should have read the screenplay just as for fulfilling you know research here. But but uh, you know what? Screw it. We're just gonna lay it all at Kurt Russell's feet because that's just the way it goes. Sorry, Kurt.
1: So for my score, I, I've been struggling with this because I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll ruin some of the suspense and just say I'm 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 really struggling between a three and a four. Oh wow. And and the reason being for for all of the rest of how great the movie is, which it is, um I think a lot of it falls on the cast and the performance, a lot of it falls on on the script and and you know some of the the two other categories we're we're going to talk about, but I I really feel like if there is a Achilles heel to this movie, it is in some ways the directing because at this at this crucial point in the movie when you're you're kind of building up to to this dramatic you, you know, um, this dramatic fulcrum that's now going to kind of tip the scales in a different direction from where we've been, it just felt really thrown together and not very well done, you know, and, and that's yeah. like kind of the part you want to really sing, you know, and, and be really strong. So I'm, I'm going to split the difference and go three, five on this one, my friend, because I, I oh, got, I, 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 I got to give it, it it's a it's a great movie, but I got to give it its its due when it comes to uh, I got to knock it down a peg because of some some oversights by uh, the Tony Khan of this film. So,
0: <laughs> all right. Well, next we move on to cinematography and effects, which I mean there yeah there's definitely some some F- some special effects in this, some gags and stuff like that. But overall, to me, cinematography in this movie is gorgeous. Like everything oh, yeah. just looks really good. Um, Feels like is- a western. Yeah, everything feels like it's lit pretty like legitimately like with, you know, I mean, obviously not like total natural light and all that. But I mean, it feels like you don't feel like you're taken out like I was watching. um, What was I watching the other night? Something some movie and it's kind of in a, in a dark area. But then, of course, everything is somewhat well lit. I'm like, that's just not how that works here. It feels like they managed to walk that line of like, OK, it's it's as movie realistic as you're going to get. You know it's not ultra realistic, but it's in for movie standards, it's really realistic. Um, the I mean, the, when they're when they're kind of pulling into town, um, it just the, the showing the expanse of the uh, you know, uh, going across sunrises, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, all of it is even just the opening sequence of like the cowboys riding into town. That little Mexican town looked yeah. amazing. You know, and the yeah. fact that when they pull into Tombstone itself and they pull onto that main street, like it looks like a full town, like there's, there's, it's bustling and all that, like you get all of that, you get it, you get a real sense of the geography of the town right away. And, uh, yeah, everything just, it, it just all looks great. I, I can't, I can't find a part of this movie that to me was just like, ah, oh, that just, uh, yeah. didn't quite do it. No, it, it, it was all, it looked fantastic to me. Yep. Yeah. how about for you sir what you what were you thinking?
1: you know I, I, I agree with everything you said I think one of the things that really makes this movie stand out to others that that you know that I see is is I never I've, I've really come across and and you know again it could just be the, the the thematics and the style of the movies that I watch but this one has a lot of like close ups you know to the eyes to the face. Um, the stairs, you know, like I, I even noticed like with, with the Johnny Ringo doc holiday face off, you know, it goes from both of their eyes, you know, and, and I love it when it kind of pans down from holiday's eyes to just his mouth. And he's like, say when, you know, like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's like, so focused on the on the tenseness of of the scene you know the okay corral being the same way like one of the guys i don't know the character's name in the okay corral scene but when they're doing you know that kind of stare off before why it says oh my god you know um or oh dear god whatever it is he says there's this one guy he just has this really like weird look on his face but when you think about being in a, in a standoff like that, it's like the slightest movement is going to cause this whole thing to go off. You know what I mean? So it, it really is done well. Mm -hmm. And you see the fear and the tenseness and the stress of the moment in everyone's face, you know? And so I think they did a really good job that way of, of, of trying to communicate, you know, the, the pressure and, and, and tenseness of these moments in the characters faces and, and really, uh, bring that out well. So I, I, I think overall, you know, it's, it's like you said, beautiful scenery, you know, great, great shots of the towns of, of all these settings that they're in. I I mean, it's just like, it really transports you back to probably a, a more idealistic view of what, you know, the West might've been, but at least, you know, visually, it's just stunning. It, it it immerses you in into that kind of universe of it all, and um, and really just does a fantastic job of of communicating the emotion prior to all of the shooting and action that happens. You know, I think it it mm-hmm. just it really excels there.
0: Yeah, I'm giving it a five. What are you giving it? Five a roo my friend. All right, we are hurtling towards this being a legit five-tool movie. Last ca- last category, because I think this not necessarily in this movie. But I think in a lot, like a lot of movies, like the sound and soundtrack can have a huge influence on the movie. Although I think this mm-hmm. one does a very good job. There's some really nice themes in the soundtrack. There's times when you know the sound just, the soundtrack just kind of goes away, and that yeah. works so well to kind of just create space and and its own kind of tension, like that silence. Um, the one I will pick here is, in terms of like the sound mix. It felt like I really needed to have this kind of cranked up in order to to hear some dialogue as well as, you know, to hear dialogue and and this and the real kind of background sounds. And then, of course, when action happens, everything amps up and it gets real loud. That'd be the only nit that I have to pick with this. Otherwise, I think I think the soundtrack was 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 beautiful. Um, Sound design was great. Um, nothing stuck out stuck out to me where I'm like, oh, that's terrible. So I, I'm going four point five on this one, just dinging it a little bit for that sound mix issue. Hey, yeah, you put the four or five in my slot, Mister. I know, I know. I'm I'm trying to multitask here and failing miserably. Uncle Todd's Todd, what, do you, in the what table do you say?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I. I really have no qualms with, you know, the, the soundtrack. Um, I'm usually listening to this on my headphones, you know, Bluetooth connected to my laptop. So my, you know, whatever deficiency there is in the soundtrack is, I don't know if it's just like corrected or, or negated because of of the, the Bose phones I'm wearing, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the music, provides another texture to the film that gives it that Western feel, that old kind of feel to it, uh, fits very nicely into, um, you know, the, the various scenes. And, and, and like you said, I mean, so, you know, less is more sometimes and, and, you know, cutting it away is, is ends up being a great, great effect in and of itself. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I, I would go with a, uh, uh, I'll actually go with a five on this one. I, I really have no qualms with it. I think it fits very well. Um, it doesn't take away from the film. Uh, and and I feel it, uh, you know, just just it's it's another reason why this this in my mind is just such a classic film that is to be enjoyed and watched
0: multiple times over. Well, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, we have dueling scores here, ties. Uh, as a matter of fact, twenty three point five for both of us certifying this as a five tool flick. So yes, a free range ADC five tool flick uh is you can uh Who gets we'll the be bottle mailing bourbon. We'll be we'll be mailing uh glorious uh certificates out to the cast uh to certify <laughs> this. I'm sure they'll be looking forward to them. Uh I'll be sure to tear off like the little the little uh dot matrix uh tracks off the side before I <laughs> before I frame them. <laughs> and well, that's good. Thank you. And now we have finally accomplished our goal of, of talking about Tombstone, which is uh, again a year, or at least a year <sighs> of the planning. This goal <sighs> reached. Week? Yes, yes. Uh, you're a daisy if you do. And another thing. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you got for and another thing for this episode, sir?
1: Uh, well, as uh, typical, I, I don't have one but two uh, recommendations, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll make them quick. Both of them are actually uh, byproducts of uh, r- the recent family trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, on our way out, uh, my wife uh, played the audiobook book uh, by Anderson Cooper and Catherine Howe, Vanderbilt, The Rise and Fall of an American Dynasty. And this is, hmm. for those who don't know, Anderson Cooper uh, is comes from uh, – uh, his mother comes from the Vanderbilt line. Uh, and this is all about, um, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. He starts off the book basically, you know, so, uh, you know, r- writing about how, uh, he really doesn't, you know, think about too much the fact that he's a Vanderbilt. He doesn't really, he more identifies that he's from, you know, his father's family than he is a Vanderbilt and, and really kind of talking about how he wanted to do a book where, you know, he started to come to a point of appreciating his background without feeling, you know, kind of saddled or anchored by it and and trying to understand a bit more about you know the family and and really what led to um, you know, probably what he calls probably one of the biggest, you know, losses of wealth by any family, you know, in American history because of, of how, how, you know, rich and, 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 uh, wealthy they became. Um, mm-hmm. it was very interesting to me cause I, I was never really plugged into the, what's, what's called the gilded age, which is kind of the late 1800s, um, this kind of boom period where there was a lot of, um, growth as, you know, some base infrastructure industries were being kind of taken over by, um, you know these big families like the Vanderbilts and 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 just the amount of waste and excess that went into their lifestyles you know just building these these massive you know homes that just as time went on, it became very clear could not be maintained because they just, it's too expensive to maintain them. You know, like Mm -hmm. it was great. They built them, but no one has that kind of money laying around, you know, for all perpetuity. So eventually, you know, something has to go. And, uh, and so, you know, like mixed into it are these stories of, you know, the rise of the family, but also, you know, some, some of the, you know, tales of, of what they had to go through, you know, in terms of coming down from, from being, you know, being the one of the wealthiest and, and some of the tragedies that they suffered, and so it it, it was really interesting to listen to. Um, it was it was a great book to listen to on such a long car ride. It, it really ca- you kind of get immersed in it, and just just uh, Anderson Cooper doing the narration and, and reading the book. You know, he's just just a very very good voice to listen to for a long period of time, and um, I, I just really enjoyed it. It was you know it wasn't a subject I th- on paper I would have thought I would have been interested in, and it was very interesting to kind of learn about you know. Uh, just that family and, and just their, their kind of story going through the late 1800s and, and through to present day. Um, on the flip side, on the ride home was a completely different book. Um, a very punchable face a <laughs> memoir by Colin Jost, which right. I love the title. Uh, Colin Jost is, is really funny. He's on SNL. Uh, he is one of the head writers and is, uh, one of the talking heads on their, uh, their news segment that they do. Uh, weekend update, and so uh, just just a really interesting story. You know, again, I, I I'm fascinated by people's life stories. Um, he uh, you know he shares how he really didn't communicate very much until the age of four. He he did not talk. Um, he didn't learn how to talk really. Um, just mm. he had you know somewhat of a uh, you know like I, I wouldn't call it a learning disability, but you know something he had to overcome, and uh, it just took him a while to kind of get into a place where you know he he you know, he dealt with confidence issues and finding kind of his place and how he came to be, you know, um, just, just, you know, getting into writing and the love of writing. Uh, and so it was really fascinating. And then he gets into a lot of stories about his time on SNL and kind of veers off toward, you know, the middle and and end in some weird directions, which, you know, really didn't kind of connect with me, but, um, but, but overall, I thought it was a, a really good story. So, uh, if, if you are looking for a, a book or audiobook idea, um, I would definitely recommend Vanderbilt, The Rise and Fall of an American Dynasty by Anderson Cooper and Catherine Howe, and A Very Punchable Face, A Memoir by Colin Jost.
0: Well, how very bougie of you to be dealing with this highbrow learning <laughs> entertainment. Uh, I just went with a movie. <laughs>
1: Hey, sometimes you bring the art and class and culture, and I bring the TV shows, and now it's the flip side, so there we go.
0: Okay. Well, very good. It's my my turn. However, it's kind of interesting that we all have uh, memoirs or documentaries of one shape or form or another here. Uh, my and another thing is uh, it's available on Netflix right now. It's Ronnie Coleman, The King, and I really didn't know who Ronnie Coleman was at all. I, this had come up a couple times when I was just kind of going through Netflix and, and looking for stuff. And I, this kept on getting suggested to me, which I don't know why, because I don't, I'm not into uh, bodybuilding, you know what I mean? Uh, so basically the description is, uh, today, legendary bodybuilder, Ronnie Coleman's body bears the scars of becoming the best in the world here. He shares what it took to reach his goals. So I ended up watching this, um, Saturday night after, uh, my powerlifting lifting and my wife had not slept very well the night before she was actually I, I had a tough time sleeping the night before so she was nice enough to give me her weighted blanket which was like basically putting a, a, a sheet over a parrot cage like it just put me <coughs> out unfortunately she did not sleep very well so she was she was like done so she was dog tired and i'm like i'm still dealing with adrenaline from today um and like four pounds of seafood that I ate afterwards, but so I was up watching this movie. I'm like, all right, finally, I'll, I'll give this a try. And I'm watching this and Ronnie Coleman was, is tied for the most wins, uh, of Mr. Olympia. He won eight in a row ah. and is tied with this other guy. I forget what his name is. I think it's like a, something Lehane or something like that. But he was his story is very interesting, but he was this guy who essentially, when you see him in his like in his prime, this dude looks like a he man action figure who came to life. like it is ridiculous the muscle mass that this guy has, and just the amount like they're talking about like the weights that he was lifting, like they're talking about like in pumping iron, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Frigno are moving around a whole bunch of weight, and they're like, Ronnie didn't even warm up with that weight like that was even. Like their top weights with stuff that he did. He did. He was already above that. Yeah. And at one point they're showing him and I realize he's using 200 pound dumbbells. I'm like, I didn't even know they made 200 pound dumbbells. Jeez. He's got one in each hand and using them to like dumbbell bunch bench press. Just ridiculous amounts of strength in this guy. But because of that, his body has broken down. Like he's had back issues. He's had, uh, you know, compressed and ruptured discs and all of this stuff. And it's—I'm it, always very interested in—in in kind of greatness slash excellence and what it takes to get there, and you know how people got there, and then also what are the pitfalls of that? What was the price that had to be paid? And man, it's a, it's crazy just looking at this guy and seeing what he what his body is like now, but also the fact that he's he's still lifting. I mean, he he walks around with crutches, but he's still out training because he just loves. Yeah. That is like such a part of him. Like bodybuilding and lifting is just his thing, and it is yeah. insane to see something like that. Um, but it's also it's a great story. Like it is an, a very interesting story for someone who is, you know, who could legit probably be playing the wow 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 look at me woe is me mm-hmm. card, and you'd mm-hmm. be like totally valid but he doesn't like he's just like a a, still a very positive individual and and just kind of like still achieving and and going and it's it's crazy it's a it's inspirational slash cautionary yeah (laughs) like yeah maybe it isn't the biggest thing that you squat 800 pounds you know what i mean um but yeah it's, it's a it's a really well done documentary and um, like I said, it's it's a very interesting, very interesting guy. And also, you know, like I said, uh, cautionary and inspirational all at the same time. So check that out on Netflix if you are so inclined. Nice. Well, thank you all to all the members of the free range EDC congregation. We do certainly appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, Harding is such sweet sorrow, but yes, it's time for us to get up on the hell out of here. And, uh, well, for me, I got to go to bed. <laughs> he tired. <laughs> i'm I'm telling you right now, I'm just I'm tired. I'm tired, and i I'm gonna be making some tea after this and and schlepping off the bed very soon. But we do appreciate you all listening, and then hopefully we haven't put you to sleep. Uh, that was probably you know all that wrestling talk, But that continued onward because we just link everything to wrestling. But we do appreciate uh, you tuning in. So if you want to find episodes of ours, you can go to freerangedysc uh, freerangedyscy dot and that'll have all of our episodes. You can subscribe right through the Podbean app if you'd like. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Pandora. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Samsung Podcasts, all kinds of different channels. Uh, you can find us, search for Free Range Idiocy. You will find us. We are on social media. We're still not on back on Twitter because they just have completely ghosted me on support. Great job, Twitter. Thanks, guys really sticking up for the little guys and, and helping uh, but we are, are on Facebook and Instagram so you can find us at Free Range EDC uh, on both of those platforms if you have any questions thoughts or concerns send those to Tim at Free Range com, and he will get back to you forthwith if not sooner mm-hmm. and now ladies and gentlemen it is time for us to wrap this sucker up but not before I ask the second most important question in all of human history the first of course being what is hip the second being what the hell did we learn this episode
1: uh, we've learned the following, sir. Aha. We have learned uh, that uh, Uncle Todd and the man they called him, not big fans of the full-on shoot interview, a la CM Punk in a press conference after the pay-per-view. Let's keep it to theatrics. Let's keep it to, uh, as John Moxley said uh, in his interview or his promo on the show after That they go out there and fight with passion and put on the best possible show they can for the fans. Uh, Let's keep it to that and and leave the backstage stuff in the backstage, Uh, and uh, you know, put on good shows because these guys are talented and uh, and we we just don't have time for this sort of ballyhoo. Uh, We've also learned. What's that?
0: No tomfoolery.
1: No (laughs) tomfoolery. Uh, we've also learned, uh, if if you didn't un, you know know already, Tombstone is a uh, favorite, and now is officially dubbed a five-tool movie. Uh, five-tool
0: certified, Flip. sir, certified.
1: Uh, we will be starting up a, a new service to rival Rotten Tomatoes called Five Tool Flick, and it'll, uh, it'll be
0: hosted on GeoCities. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have, here's a joke we for everyone titles. over thirty-eight. <laughs> I think I'm going to be, I'm going to dub myself an EVP of this new company.
0: (laughs) You go right ahead. You go right ahead. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: And uh, we have also learned uh, that uh, the, the man they call Tim dabbles in audiobooks when he goes on long
0: car rides. Just a bit. My goodness.
1: Consume them, I do. Consume them. With all that being said, uh, mm-hmm. as the great one has already uh, pontificated on, we we do thank you for the listenership, for the downloads, the
0: for great one. Wait a minute, was Dwayne Johnson on here? That I Yes, <laughs> I... no?
2: I'm giving
1: you some due. oh well, and I almost forgot. We have also learned that Uncle Todd is the Goldberg of his power lifting division. Well done, sir! Congratulations. Uh, Gilbert. I, I know, Gilbert, I told I know you. the work you put in, and uh, kudos to you, sir, for putting your mind to something and achieving it. Well done. Now, as dreams I was saying, dreams can come true. They can. It's
0: wearing the gold. It's wearing the it gold. could happen to you if you're young at heart? Oh, good
1: Lord. <laughs> as we you're like welcome. to close things out be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another and well for no other good reason than the man just bench pressed and and squatted and deadlifted a bunch of weight could you please do him a favor and hit the lights on the way out he's done enough work for one day it's like i took the wrong
2: week to quit drinking i beg your pardon what did you say well i didn't think you had it in you you're such a disappointing pair i prayed so hard for you Get out, and don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I'm your huckleberry.
0: Yeah, I got I to gotta afford that singlet.
2: My
1: back!
0: Let me tell you, that is, that is, that is the toughest part of the entire thing. Like lifting the weights, like I was fine. Like I lifted all the weight, you know, or most of the weight that I had lifted at the yeah. competition before that it's, it's getting used to walking around in your underwear for like hours on end. That's the tough part. Yeah. You know, I would, yep. have I would have actually felt better if I could have had the Andre, like one, you know, one strap singlet that the would have, singlet. I would have at least, there yeah. You go. That would have felt better about that. Well, no the singlet the singlet is this is still the like that's what they call it. Like essentially, it's a it's a onesie, you know, which is real fun when you have to go to the bathroom. Let me tell you, it's a (laughs) uh, a hoot and a holler. (laughs) You 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 better plan your you better plan things really ahead of time because otherwise, you know, you don't want to get caught in mid like disrobing and go ah, it's too late. Need to be tactical. Need to be strategic. Yes. You need, to be, you need to plan your poops. <laughs> Good God. That's well, true. You got to plan your poops. Oh, that's what we learned today, folks. <laughs> hey, you know what? I don't have very much wisdom to impart to the next generation, but that is one of them. Plan your poops. There we go.
2: Now get the hell out of here! <laughs>